Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody. It's Jenny. Hi. With an intro to the intro. Prelude to the intro, if you will. I just wanted to pop in here at the very, very beginning and mention that I am going to be playing a few shows in the Northeast in May. The Boston show is sold out, but I will be in Brooklyn on May 17th at Union Hall and in Philly at Milk Boy on May 18th. And if you want to come hang out and get gently rocked by me, uh, you can visit JennyOwenYoungs.com slash tour for tickets and information and all of that stuff. Uh, they will be fun shows. I'm very excited. Please join me. Cool. Onwards. Oh, hello. Welcome to the intro part of Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Uh, really excited to roll on into this episode where uh, Rishi K. Shearway and Jenny Owen Youngs will discuss just this wonderful jaunt of an episode where we get to see, you know what, you know. And you're going to hear all about it. But before we get there, let me bring you some news, some updates, some other stuff. First of all, you know, we are not too far away now from our New York City prom. It's happening here in New York City on March 9th at the Ace Hotel. It is sold out. We are so excited to see those of you who are joining us. And I would like to let you all know that Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach, co-hosts of Angel on Top, our sister podcast, that follows Angel, of course, will be hosting a virtual prom where they watch the Buffy episode, The Prom, live with you all on our Facebook page. That means that if you're not going to be at prom, you can instead, if you so choose, join the two of those wonderful souls for everyone. This is free. This is not for patrons. It's for everyone to join. They will probably be decked out in their prom finest, uh, and they'll be watching together with you the prom episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So for more details, of course, as always, go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com. You can click on our events page, or you can check out our events page on our Facebook as well. It's all there for you, and they will be beginning at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, so that it will literally be happening right at the same time as we are at prom. Cool. Cool. Uh, a reminder to those of you who might be doing gatherings in your own cities, that if you go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash prom, you can get a ton of information about the prom there, but you can also find a little link to submit your prom ups, as we like to call them, so that we can put them on our site. If you're doing a gathering at a coffee shop, or if you're throwing a big party, whatever you're doing, let us know over there. We'll list it on the site, and then people can maybe join you in other cities if those are happening this year. Uh, as of this taping, there are a couple of solo brunch tickets left. We released some tickets that are just to our brunch happening after prom. So again, all of that information, bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash prom. We are so flipping excited. Holy shit. Okay, other things to be excited about. Next Wednesday, February 27th, Heather Hogan, beloved friend of the pod, and I will be on a panel at NYU. 
Yeah, we're fancy. We are going to be, the title of the panel is Mom, I'm a Slayer, coming out in 90s fantasy television. They will be screening Becoming Part 2 and then talking to Heather and I about the many things uh, that are related to coming out in 90s television and fantasy, etc. It's going to be so much fun. We're so excited to see all of you in New York. All of those details are also on our events page. Uh, and on our Facebook events page. So you can find out more there. Holy crap. Uh, while I'm talking about me, just a little reminder that every other week I go live on Autostraddle's Facebook page uh, Thursdays, every other Thursday at three o'clock to answer advice specifically um, for queer community. So you can join me there every other week. All of that event information is on Autostraddle's Facebook page and on my personal Facebook page. So go find all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Cool. You know what it's time for? Wow. So like 1 million of you tweeted at me and emailed me this story from where else but fucking the UK. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what all is going on. But this time, the title of the article that I clicked on, which is from The Guardian, is the, this is the actual title. The Gateway to Hell? Hundreds of anti-witch marks found in Midlands Cave. So... I'm, I'm not going to read you the whole article for verbatim, but the first sentence is also pretty great. If there is a gateway to hell, a portal from the underworld used by demons and witches to wreak their evil havoc on humanity, then it could be in a small East Midlands cave. <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, there's a bunch of markings in what's called Creswell Crags, a limestone gorge, uh, and there are hundreds of letters and symbols and patterns carved, and they were carved at a time, the article says, when belief in witchcraft was widespread. Sorry to break it to you all, but I think it's still pretty widespread. This is supposedly the largest collection of protective marks ever found in British caves and possibly anywhere else in Britain. Um, so nobody's really sure exactly what was going on, but I guess caves were looked at as, you know, places where perhaps hellmouths could open, of course. I mean, it makes sense. So... Listen, I'll let you read the article yourself, the articles yourselves, but essentially this is definitely a hellmouth. And I want to tell you my favorite part of the article, just to give a shout out to our lovely polite pals in the UK, because there's a quote in here. So uh, this, this woman, Alison Fern, who is an expert on protective marks, call me Alison. I love your specialty. Uh, recalled, the article says, first shuffling on her backside into the cave and realizing what she was looking at. Quote, I think I said a very naughty word. End quote. So, Allison, expert on protective marks, says naughty words, but only in the secrecy of a cave. You know, she wouldn't say those out in public. Uh, this is terrifying, but also not because it's, we're protect, like, maybe the cave is the, Maybe the cave is the safest place to be. This has been your spooky news. Right. Uh, just a couple more quick things before we roll into this week's episode. Of course, as always, thank you to Lauren Klein, who does our sound engineering. You can follow Lauren at Lauren Taylor Klein on Instagram. We love you, Lauren. Uh, also, it's been a minute since we've done a Buffy watch, and Jenny and I are going to try something new. So if you are a patron subscriber at any level, 
save the date, Saturday, March 2nd. We are going to do a Buffy watch and we're going to do a Buffy watch bi-coastally. So that's going to be fun. And patrons, um, if you're if you're already a patron, you have received a little voting poll. We'll keep it open this week so you can vote on which episode you'd like to watch together with us. Again, that's Saturday, March 2nd. I believe we're going to begin at 11 a.m. Pacific time, which is 12, 1, 2. It's a little bit of hell math for you. Hell math. 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and if you're not a patron, you should become one. It's so fun and it supports our work. It's great. You can find more about it at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on Patreon. And last but not least, next week, the episode coming in hot from Angel on Top is 5 by 5 Don't know if you can fucking guess who might be on that episode. Uh, in the actual television episode, of course, it's Faith. And in the Angel on Top episode, they're going to be sitting down with special guest Jenny Owen Youngs. So exciting. I cannot wait to listen to this episode. And I think that's all I've got for this week. I'll be popping into your ears to do a little sexual tension awards segment later in the episode. And then, of course, I'll be back in two weeks when Kate Leth and I sit down to talk about New Moon Rising. Wow. We got a lot to say about that one. Until then, let's head on into this episode. Rishi and Jenny. <sighs> Dream team. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, spoiler-free, even when we really don't want to, like this episode. I'm Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm special guest Rishi K. Sherway. You really are such a special guest. <laughs> this week, we're talking about season four, episode 18, Where the Wild Things Are. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by me, recapping the Buffy episode we're discussing. Where the Wild Things Are was written by Tracy Forbes and directed by David Solomon, and it originally aired on April 25th, 2000. Oh, God. This is the one where Buffy and Riley's passionate lovemaking energizes supernatural elements inside a frat house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for joining me uh, against your will mm -hmm. to discuss this, perhaps the most reviled episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Is that true? <laughs> this is at the bottom of a lot of people's lists, it seems. Wow. Um, uh, well, you take into account um, how many people dislike Riley. Sure. Yeah. Um, people are smart. Okay. <laughs> let's just let's just take it down one notch. Okay. All right. Um, Rishi's here today because he begged me. Uh, <laughs> please, please, please. Can I please, 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 please talk about the episode where Buffy and Riley just have sex for 45 minutes? Please, can I please? It combines all my favorite things. <laughs> Riley, sex with Riley, <laughs> and frat parties. <laughs> yeah, what's not to love? Yeah. Uh, about that triple threat. So I guess we have to talk about this. Yes. Uh, that's what you told me I had to do. That is what I said. As a condition of our continued friendship, you must. Yeah. Oh, you know what else it combines? 
<laughs> what? Giles and an earring. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I know that you haven't seen um, the entire series in a minute, mm-hmm. but um, back in season three in Band Candy, when all of the adults of Sunnydale were uh, sort of like mentally returned to their teenage states, Giles was wearing eyeliner and rolling cigarette pack <laughs> into his t-shirt sleeve and tying a flannel around his waist. But he didn't have an earring, I don't think. No, that's adult. That's a fully adult decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a thing. That's a thing. Um, also, it's an earring, which means he put it on special. Yeah, for his for adult his song. adult meeting. Yeah. Um, thought went into it. Preparations were made. It's a, some kind of ceremony mm-hmm. um, was done. But then I, I really like that he keeps it on. He wears it for the rest of the episode, which is pretty wild. If I was going to be engaging in uh, some kind of ghost activity, you know, for gym class, we always had to take earrings out. Yeah. And I feel like for uh, like exorcisms mm-hmm. or despiritings, probably you want to observe the same basic safety ideas as you did in gym class. Mm-hmm. So He lives on the edge. You know how you can tell? The earring. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> Have you ever had an earring? I've had two earrings. Um, Both of my ears are pierced. Uh, in the same place? Yes. Nice. Well, one on each ear. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. I did infer that. Um, <laughs> but I just meant like not like one cartilage piercing and no, one no. lobe piercing. No, no, both lobes. Uh, great. Mm-hmm. Are, they, are they closed now? Will they ever come back? I think they could come back now Hell if I wanted, yeah. wanted them to. Just a thought. <laughs> um, if you have any upcoming gigs at the Espresso Pump. It's true. I'm covering the Who next Friday night. You're not invited. It's for adults only. It's for adults only. Okay. Um, speaking of adults only, the entirety of this episode's previously on is like previously on Anya and Xander's relationship and sexy time and previously on Willow and Tara's relationship and sexy time and previously on Buffy and Riley having sex. Yeah. I mean, they're setting the tone for what is a very sexy episode. Well, um, not uh, sexy. <laughs> that's yeah, not quite the word. Sex filled. Sex happens. Sex filled. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So the first thing that happens in the episode, if I may. Yeah. Uh, is that uh, Riley and Buffy are like patrolling together. They um, are fighting a demon and a vampire who seem mm-hmm. to be working together, mm-hmm. which is weird, uh, apparently. Yeah. N- abnormal. But luckily, that's a subplot that goes nowhere. <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> we're like... What what a crazy thing. We'll follow up on that never again in this episode. I just, I, I sense there's more to come. I sense we haven't seen the end of that. But gosh, there was just so much really high quality material they had to cram <laughs> into this episode. Right, right. No room for, for large plot arcs. So like what we see after they um dispense, dispose of? Dispatch. After they kill... How do they get rid of the demon and the vampire? Um, There's this like moment where they're kind of like definitely, excuse me, this word is probably going to happen more than one time in this episode. They are definitely horny. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, Giles like really needs to know. And it's like this like weird sex talk, prelude to sex thing. Yeah. And, you know, Buffy used to patrol with somebody else who got horny after um, a good slay. And do you know who that was? (laughs) It was pain. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would have preferred that. Yeah. Miss her. Really miss her in this episode, <laughs> perhaps more than I ever knew I could. You know who else was horny in that opening scene? <laughs> the horned demon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You are not wrong. Um, in my notes, I wrote a lot of tushum tushum in the opening. What is, excuse me, what is tushum tushum? <laughs> it's the term that maybe we made up when I was growing up to refer to all the fighting parts in Bollywood movies. Okay, I thought you meant butts because right because Tush, when uh, yeah, you right. Anya dropped her dress and you yeah. made a comment yeah yeah no uh, I meant the uh, in the in the fight scene there's just all, it just we just start with a lot of tushum tushum oh it's like a sound effect, a sound effect. okay yeah. I got it okay and I was thinking about it not just because of all the fighting but because the sound effects for the fighting really do have a lot of tushum tushum kind of quality to them uh yeah there's a lot going on yeah sonically to help you really be in the moment of the fight i'm just trying to introduce tushum tushum as, as a term here for fight scenes i are you with me i'm totally with you okay great, great. uh my mom will be happy i nothing makes me happier than your mom being happy which is a weird <laughs> thing to say in this episode of all episodes so moving right along yeah wow what a nice frat house what a well-appointed frat house there's a working fireplace there's multiple chandeliers yeah there's like a high decorate like a high um valerian high valerian hell yeah there's a, the the decorating standard is very high yeah also i it's like really I feel like in, it's like, yeah, they've got the fireplace. They've got, uh, it's very clean. They have a state-of-the-art scientific demon examination <laughs> laboratory in the basement. Sure, yeah. Yeah, all of the accoutrements. <laughs> all the finer things in life that uh, that you dream of when you move into a frat house, I yeah, guess. Yep. Wait, do we know the name of the frat that they're in? Well, they call, we discover in this episode that the house is called Lowell House. Right. But but I think the frat is just the initiative. The initiative. Yeah. It's never, I don't think, referred to in like gr Greek terms. Okay. Yeah. The frat. Tushum, tushum, tushum. <laughs> I feel like, you know, with something like this that you desperately want yeah. to, to just like interject into the... <laughs> Like you really want this to happen. You got to mm -hmm. let it happen kind of like organically. Okay, fine, fine. Stop trying to make Tushim happen. Well, I mean, <laughs> keep trying to make it happen, but just like maybe the intervals could be longer. Okay, all right. So in this Tushim, um, <laughs> one of the... <laughs> Was that long enough? Not quite. Oh. Lots of people are horny, even outside of just the Riley Buffy sex vortex within the party <laughs> anya is concerned that um she and xander didn't have sex the night before that sounds stressful um and like i i get it i think that's yeah. relatable content yeah they're in a still relatively newish relationship they're having sex every night but not last night which means in anya's vast experience of course that it's the beginning of the end she's an anthropologist Wow, she really is. Mm -hmm. I like that observation a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think she's a keen observer of the human condition, and maybe she's not wrong. Wow, you think they're breaking up right now because I just they think, didn't have sex last night? I think that the fact that they didn't 
could indicate something's changing about the nature of their relationship. It doesn't mean that it's getting worse or that they have to break up, but things are changing beyond the, uh, you know, just pure infatuation level. It could be a good thing. Wow. Who's the anthropologist now? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, she's very concerned and is asking him all kinds of things like, why didn't you take advantage of me yeah. last night? Yeah. And uh, is there something wrong with your body? Uh, she's just trying to get to the bottom of things um, and rule out any other possibilities uh, other than it's over and they're breaking up. Yeah, and then she gets so upset, she puts on a shirt and then a cardigan without realizing they're the exact same piece of clothing. <laughs> Are you saying that she's wearing a sweater set? Is that what that, that's... It's like when there's there's like a tank top or a short sleeve shirt of the material uh-huh. of, and color and then like a an over shirt. It's, yeah. It's, oh, so it was intentional. Um, yes, that okay. was a thing. It might still be a thing, but it was definitely a thing at this time. I worked at... Um, a women's clothing store. Mm-hmm. I Which was, one? I was a stock boy at Chelsea Campbell and also... Excuse me. That term is not cool. Stock boy? Yeah. It's not? No, it's just, so, you know, we prefer accessories boy. <laughs> no, it's just like, you know, very gendered position title. Oh, well, I'm, I just identify as a stock boy. Oh, okay, I think they it, would have just it. said, uh, Jenny, who works in the stock room... <laughs> But I, I prefer to claim the mantle of Stockboy, if you don't mind. I did that at Chelsea Campbell and then also at a store called Petite Sophisticate. I've never heard of either of these stores. Are they New Jersey stores? I think they're national okay. stores, but they're like definitely like mall stores that you wouldn't be aware of unless your mom specifically shopped at them. Right. Looking on, on the hunt for a sweater set. A sweater set or whatever else they sold. Yeah. Okay. This is clearly outside of my sphere of understanding because I didn't even know that sweater sets were a thing and that what she was wearing wasn't weird. I wouldn't know any of this if I hadn't been a stock boy. <laughs> I dig it. Okay. So <laughs> But that's what I that's what I noticed. Anya is wearing a shirt and a cardin cardigan that have the exact same print and that, that is an odd sartorial choice. <laughs> that's what I wrote. <laughs> um this of course comes to a climb Excuse me, mm. it comes to a climax. Uh, when There's Xander's no avoiding like, this. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, there is no avoiding it. Oh, yeah? You're not happy we didn't have sex last night? Let's have sex right here, right now, in my ice cream truck, in front of all of these children and parents who are silently staring up at us. Yeah. I was wondering what the buildup in that scene was going to lead to. and then And then when he got to that shot i was like oh yeah there's gonna be kids and there were kids of course kids love ice cream Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they don't know what sex is i guess so hilarious apparently some kids know about sex and they're all ghosts who live in mrs landingham's haunted house (laughs) yeah in this very special west wing buffy the vampire slayer crossover (laughs) now i know why you brought me in for this one yes of course of course mrs landingham was totally murdering all those children for being too dirty yeah those kids probably witnessed something outside of an ice cream truck and all (laughs) kinds of filthy thoughts infiltrated (laughs) their mind and yeah so there's some kind of like uh, history repeating itself, yeah. like evil time loop kind yep. of thing going on outside of the house too. Exactly. And Xander's just a cog in that machine. Maybe it's all Xander's fault. That's a great subtitle for the entire series. 
Uh, but I think for this season, you prefer it's all Riley's fault. Oh, <laughs> that's what I have wait. To say about what Riley. did you say you call him? Lump. Yeah, <laughs> is your nickname for Riley? Yes, because he's like as Just, interesting, he's as, as useful, and yeah, <laughs> okay. interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess one one man's lump is another stock boys. <laughs> Uh, perfect marble sculpture, uh, honed, sanded, and perfected over an artist's lifetime. <laughs> Lump is has ended up becoming an interchangeable term. Like it's a it's a term that has migrated from show to show for Lindsay and and myself. We'll sometimes we'll be like, oh, this kid Lump, like in <laughs> the Good Wife, the younger brother on that show. We also call him Lump. Okay, okay. And uh, actually, there's another younger brother. Oh, I think the younger brother, Henry, in the Americans, we that sometimes we refer to him as Lump. It's just okay. a, it's okay. a term. Yeah. I'll have to start paying attention in shows that I watch yeah. for uh, lumps of my own. <laughs> it's like Big Bad, you know, like it starts right, with right. one show and then you can be like, oh, who's the Big Bad in, sure. uh, in this season of whatever. Yes, I got it. Mm -hmm. Thank you from TV professional, <laughs> Rishi Hirway. Uh, so lots of things continue to happen in this episode, regardless of whether we want them to. And one of them is that there's a Scooby meeting happening in the common area. <laughs> it really upset you, yes, I know. Yes, Some of those areas were too common. <laughs> Putting two people in a chair clearly meant for one. Which two people? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Buffy and Riley have abandoned all professionalism. Um, They're dating. They're but, like teenagers. There's a time and a place. And that was neither the time nor the place. They're just, they're like, they've got weird gropey hand stuff happening and they're like cuddling and they're trying to have a meeting. It's. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uncool. when you put it like that, when, when you think about it as them being in the workplace, uh, it is a little squiggly. Um, but I will say that Sarah Michelle Gellar is so small that she doesn't really count as a whole other person in that chair, <laughs> if you don't mind. They're kind I, of like one and a half persons. I don't like it. Um, I prefer Taryn Willow's repressed, yeah, respectful sure Nobody knows about us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why can't you have a respectable, repressed relationship nobody can know about Buffy That's and Riley? That's how I like it. Ah, uh, yes. Mm, high school. Those were the <laughs> days. Um, and, of course, Buffy and Riley have this, uh, this like, mm, don't you have that thing? No, I don't. I don't have class for another 20 minutes. Yeah, but, like, I have the thing that we could maybe squeeze in. So subtle. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh, yes, maybe you could squeeze that thing in really quick before class. Um, and then they leave to do that. I'm, side note, I am so happy that we watched this episode together because really the only thing that was making this fun was listening to you crack up at all the groans I involuntarily <laughs> made. <laughs> and you, you had a good uh, chuckle when the Riley and Buffy in the same chair scene happened. And I inadvertently. Yeah, I saw how it was hurting you. <laughs> and I mean, the thing is that you're such a careful architect of your life and your surroundings. And you really like you plan uh, to, <laughs> in very fine detail uh, to make sure like everything is as ideal 
as it could possibly be. <laughs> and to be able to bring this moment of unwanted <laughs> chaos and revulsion into your life in a way mm -hmm. that we could share it together mm -hmm. was very satisfying for me. <laughs> uh, so thank you. Oh, th thank you. What a great friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh. then there's this whole thing where Buffy and Riley are having sex behind a closed door and jealous boyfriend Forrest is like, ugh. Yeah. I can't believe Riley's having sex with somebody else. Uh, and uh, then this weird thing happens with the fireplace. It's like somehow we're led to infer that like, they're maybe Buffy and, and Riley's sex is making the frat house cold, but then it's also making the fireplace freak out. Yeah, and and fire leaping out spontaneously. Yes, to conveniently consume the one initiative guy in the room that we've never seen before. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, bad sex, evil sex, I think is the takeaway from that scene and every scene. Or even good sex, evil sex. Oh, I just meant like bad sex. Right, right. But also good sex, mm -hmm. evil sex. Mm -hmm. Safe sex. True. They have so much sex in this episode that they could not get away with not showing Riley uh, grabbing a condom. Yeah, yeah. Just a little PSA in there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that has to be a network thing from the year 2000. You think so? I mean, there's some social responsibility, I think, in this show. I could see that just coming from them internally being like, hey. While we're doing this, let's also just give a shout out to uh, you, contraception. You just said social responsibility about this episode. <laughs> Let me remind you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it to him. Say. <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> so. What, is, what does Giles say? Oh, for better. Oh, oh for, for a, better phrasing. Different phrasing or yeah. something. Um, yeah, that's like every single thing you can say about this episode. Mm -hmm. um, this episode makes everything a double entendre. One nice thing that this episode gives us is uh, the opportunity to witness two former terrors, Anya and Spike, mourning together the loss of their evil superpowers, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, the havoc that they formerly wreaked, would wreak, wrought. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> And I like I like seeing them together. They're two of my favorite characters, so it's nice to um, get a little look at this. It's a nice, an actual nice thing that happened this episode. I mean, Spike's body language. He gets he has a kind of a hey baby. Oh yeah. Moment. Well, he's just maybe he's just falling victim to the tone of the episode. <laughs> um, yeah, he definitely he was right at home in some ways. At one point later, we see him checking out a lady walking by. From the waist down. Oh, heavens. Oh, Spike. You cad. <laughs> you cad. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're they're funny together. I like her better in that context than like the sort of unfortunate shrew role that she has to take so often with Xander. Oh, which interesting. Which I think is kind of not, not so fun and makes, and I don't know, just not that fair for her, I think. But with Spike, she gets to be a little bit more of her own person. I guess I would agree with the back half of that. And I would say, I wonder if because you haven't like watched this, like this season or the, yeah. um, you know, seen more of her lately, mm -hmm. if um, there's something like for me on this watch and on every watch, I feel like the way that she is with Xander is less about like her being 
maybe a shrew, although I guess I could see like how it ends up kind of like reading that way in, in some instances. But to me, it's more like uh, she's giving voice, like she has no self-consciousness about yeah. anything. So she's very comfortable just sort of like giving voice to her interior world and all of her anxieties, whether they're founded or not. And they're all like, I feel like for the most part, like relatable on some level. And I think that that's like special. I think that's like a big function of her character to sort of like give us a glimpse into the exteriorization of our like most neurotic interior moments. Yeah. Like the Bojack Oh my God, like the BoJack Horseman episodes, Mm -hmm. stupid piece of shit. Exactly. Wow. (laughs) Uh, For everyone listening, if you've never watched BoJack Horseman, may I recommend please that you watch the entire series because it's one of the most beautiful things that has ever been made. Uh, True. And when you get to the season four episode, stupid piece of shit, and the season five episode, free churro. You will have peered into my soul. Yes. And perhaps even into your own soul. You know, I no, that's a great read. I think having uh, watched only once and then pulling this one as a standalone, I forgot about some of the, the deeper parts of Anya like that. But uh, but for a long time, I feel like they they really lean into her sort of like as a person who nags Xander. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like it's so interesting what they do with her as she's like getting into a relationship the first relationship she's been in in a thousand years because she's just been vengeance demoning it up Mm -hmm. for a millennia millennium millennium of course is the singular and millennia (laughs) is the plural leave me alone (laughs) so she's just been like uh disemboweling people and turning them into toads and stuff Mm -hmm. and what I like about her becoming mortal again is that she is instantly plagued by all of like the insecurities. It's like she's having another adolescence. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Even though she's been around for a thousand years, she's just like all messed up. And like, you know, love is making a wreck of her as it makes of all of us at one time or another. Oh, great story, Jenny. <laughs> so you brought up a really good point surrounding uh just after the initial orgasm wall scene oh god that scene forgive me um we have to talk about the orgasm wall uh maybe more than once but right after we see it for the first time after that guy's like the way language tastes ah somehow the creepiest part of the entire episode (laughs) doesn't have to do with demons or poltergasms or anything at all. But this guy trying to pick up a girl by talking about the tasty qualities of speaking French. It also doesn't even sound hot when he speaks French. No offense, dude. But, um, no, if you're gonna go there, like have the, the goods Mm -hmm. to back it up, (laughs) sir, please. Uh, lay goods, please. (laughs) Liggoods. Uh and then he touches the orgasm wall and it's really weird that he keeps his hand on it and it's really weird that everybody keeps their hand on it in front of people like throughout the episode as we see more and more people get it's just like oh yeah I mean maybe that's like maybe um that's like in the atmosphere because of like what's going on in the house everyone's like less inhibited and whatever but like wow I'm glad that orgasm walls don't happen in real life Meanwhile, Xander starts talking to a girl and they are standing in such a way 
And it's sort of... <laughs> this is my favorite part. It's so confusing. The, the blocking... Like, I don't know what it is that they're supposed to be facing. They're like... <laughs> the way it's shot, the way it's blocked, whatever it is that's in front of them, it really looks like they're standing next to each other in a men's room at two urinals it and they're is. having a conversation uh, at the urinals. It's uncanny. Yeah. First of all, as I... No, no, it's very canny. <laughs> First of all, as I've been led to believe, no one talks to each other at urinals <laughs> in the men's room. Is that right? Is that right? Um, I mean, going to the men's room is definitely not a social activity in the way that maybe going to the ladies' room can be. But, I mean, it's not to say that no conversation ever happens. It depends on which, you know, See, which restroom you're in. If you're, say, say you're in your a dorm and, sure. you know, and you're in the bathroom there and, and there's another guy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who you're friends with also going to the bathroom, you might have a conversation. Sure. But in sure, a public sure. bathroom with strangers, no, there's a very, I think the- There's the, a code. Yeah, the code is do not make eye contact, look straight ahead, do not engage. Perhaps a benefit to non-gendered uh, multi-stall bathrooms mm -hmm. um, would be that, that those two polar opposite vibes would be eradicated and we would have a semi-social <laughs> bathroom experience. Actually- I don't, I've never watched Ally McBeal, but maybe you have and can confirm or deny. No, mm, nope, nothing. Nope. No data. Well, a question for another day. <laughs> Wait, what is it about Ally McBeal? Oh, just that they, they have like, um, they have, uh, everybody uses the same multi-stall bathroom at the law firm, I think. Oh, okay. Which is an interesting choice. That's an uh, interesting for, detail that you for the know time about. I, yeah, I don't know why I know that other than it sticks out mm -hmm. um, from a show at that time. Yeah. Oh God! Moving on, unfortunately. <laughs> um, just just to go back to that wall for one unfortunate mm. second. Uh, Do you have an orgasm wall in your house that I have yet to discover? Is that what you're about to tell me? You're looking all around. <laughs> I'm just um, sheepish about this note. Oh no! Um, hopefully, if you're a parent listening with your children, you already know that this episode was gonna be racy. Um, but Rishi, I want to let you know we've definitely, I think, said finger bang. Oh yeah, on on the cast, so <laughs> okay. you can definitely say your note. Um, yeah, uh, the wall's giving out hand jobs. That seems <laughs> to Dumb. be the very, very best uh, way to put it. I guess if you mm -hmm. have to put it anyway, mm -hmm. that's the way to do it. You know what I was kind of hoping. Yes. Uh, for the from this episode was that there was some somehow this was a parable or warning or something somehow the first scene and you know this demon vampire pairing was going to play into this idea of you know reactions to sex and somehow that I, I thought there was maybe going to be like a theme about miscegenation or something like that that was all going to tie together mm, um but no but no not for you that's not what it was <laughs> no 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 um because you know they're they're talking about oh it's a strange coupling and then Riley and Buffy are coupled in the bedroom the whole time and I don't know I was thinking there was going to be some message or metaphor or something drawn out that that's why I think I was so bummed that the uh, demon vampire buddy system didn't actually pay off at any point after that first conversation in the first scene I think there's only one metaphor 
in the whole episode. Like, I think there's only <laughs> one thing that they use to connect the end of the episode to the beginning of the episode. Yeah. And that's that Xander tells Anya that a relationship takes work and that you have to work through it together. And then at the end of the episode, they hack through a bunch of thorny vines mm. together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very, <laughs> it's very intense. And it just like really, it really uh, seems like the people who made the show wanted us to see Xander and Anya just macheting through some difficult substances Mm -hmm. uh, together with teamwork in partnership. Actually, my favorite part of the episode might have been um, the moment when Anya comes in and rescues Xander from the ghost drowning baptism tub. Um, (laughs) Yes. Because despite, or, you know, with all of the sort of uh, lusty stuff ha- happening throughout the whole episode, the only real moment of actual intimacy for me is um, is that part when she pulls him out of the tub and then just briefly she like touches his head. She sort of like she she sort of mm. holds the back of his head as she after she pulls him out and just that that little touch I thought that was the the most beautiful intimate Aww. sort of um, signifier of cl- a close relationship. Um, I thought that part was really nice. Wow. That is really nice. Whew, especially in a sea of everything else. Yeah. Um, Just like a loving hand to the back of your head, nape of your neck kind of area. Sure. After you've almost been drowned by a ghost or some yeah, malignant yeah. energy. <laughs> really any, any time of day. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, you, you can't beat that. Uh, noted. <laughs> I'm putting that in your file. So (laughs) speaking of uh, touching, Mm -hmm. um, stuff starting to get like weird after Buffy and Riley spend like the entire party, like not responding or listening to any of their friends and staring like they're they're creating the illusion that they're not just like obsessing about each other by being with their own friend groups, but they're just like boring holes into one another with their eyes. And hey, then, I'm not the one who called them boring holes. <laughs> ah! Uh, until finally Buffy's like, it's very important that you look at this essay for a class that you're no longer, I'm no longer taking a class where you're the TA. Please take me to your room where I can show you my essay. If you know what I mean. <laughs> no, Buffy, I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Opening shot of the party pretty lame party it's like oh hey everyone here's a party everyone is standing around talking to the people they already know and nobody else (laughs) like yeah you'd think there'd be a little more mingling i mean the party was supposed to be in theory for the initiative guys to blow off some steam and all the initiative guys do in the entire time is just talk to each other maybe that's how they blow off steam seems like you don't need a party for that well, I will say that when I when I think of like some like militaristic young college men mm-hmm. and then I think about them blowing off steam, mm-hmm. my fear meter just yeah, skyrockets. Oh, so if the worst they're going to do <laughs> is stand around and talk to each other, I'm super into it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Whew. Yeah, whatever gets your steam blown as long as it's <laughs> safe for everyone else. Um but it's really not not what I expected. <laughs> it's like they need a party. 
they're gonna they they need about sixty other people around them to have the conversation they might otherwise have. <laughs> Because they're all they do, they're just talking about work. Well, you know how it is when you get together with a bunch <laughs> of people who all who all do work in the same field as you, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like nobody understands. Yeah. Hmm. I was going to say we were just at PodCon together mm-hmm. recently yeah. in Seattle. And I was going to say and we hung out with a bunch of podcasters and talked about podcast stuff. But I guess that didn't actually happen. No, we talked. Most, we talked about all kinds of things. Uh, and we ate a lot of cookies. You taught me how to how to Tim Tam Slam. Yeah. Uh, for those listening, should <laughs> you be in the market? Are they Australian? They are Australian. Could you just explain for everyone's benefit? Um, it's a delicious cookie and you bite off um, the ends of each and you use it because of its porous structure. You can use it like a straw with a hot liquid like coffee or hot chocolate or tea. And then you use it like a straw to pull in some of the hot liquid and while you're doing that, uh, it melts the inside of the cookie and then you eat the cookie and it's turned into this like fudgy chocolatey thing that's incredible. Or if you want to do a Tim Tam Slam, the Jenny Owen Young's way, <laughs> you can be mildly nervous because you're in a hotel room with a bunch of people you haven't met before and you're the tea making is like a process because the hotel machine like is being used like the in-room coffee and teapot so it's like one cup at a time but Mm -hmm. you got your cup early so you're like sipping away and then oh no your tea is like half empty by the time it's tim tam slam go time so i'm like i've bitten off the ends of my tim tam i'm desperately trying to get it low enough in the water for it to affect like effectively work like a straw Mm -hmm. but in doing so i'm tilting my cup I pour hot tea all over my shirt. I didn't Uh, even see that part. And then the Tim Tam, um, which I managed to suck like a little tea through, uh, just kind of like disintegrates in my hand and falls into the tea and then kind of like (laughs) forms this like chunky algae uh, layer on Mm -hmm. top of the tea, which I (laughs) tried to be cool and continue to sip uh, over the course of the cookie party. Uh, and I think I just was pretty cool. I think everybody probably when I left was like, wow, that girl's really a natural. It takes practice, maybe. Yeah, I should have I should have practiced before <laughs> the cookie party. We'll try again. I look forward to that day. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, until that day, though, we do have to keep going. Okay. <laughs> um. Shit's like starting to get even weirder. Um, well, first it's starting to get hotter when Tara's like, you should ride with me sometime mm-hmm. to Willow, who's mm-hmm. scared of ponies and horses. And then like Willow seems like she's coming around to the idea, like if she is going to ride some kind of equine creature, uh, that she would do it maybe with Tara. Maybe that would be chill. And then she touches Tara and Tara freaks out because, oh, God. Uh, whatever's in this house is starting to like not just be sexy but also weird and repressive there's just like a lot of it's like when in weather you've heard of weather mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm even understand that when like there's like a cold zone and a hot zone and they come together unexpectedly uh wild ass weather shit can happen mm-hmm. this is the house is even kind of like san francisco <gasps> it has microclimates oh my god you're so right it's really hard to dress right for San Francisco. Yeah. And this house. Reason. You're like over house. by the stairs. I'm in repression zone. <laughs> over by the wall. Hand job zone. Over by 
this has been the bottle zone. Glass might fly into your eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bottle might just explode. <laughs> yeah. This this is such a chaotic episode. I feel like once things are... No, like not even once things. Like the entire episode is just like, what's happening? It feels like so many disconnected or very loosely connected things are happening in rapid succession. I don't even really understand the mechanics of the haunting that's happening because Giles sort of explains when we finally meet Mrs. Landingham and she tells them <laughs> what she's done. Um, he says, you know, she tells him none of the kids died. And he says, yes, but your actions have now come to somehow her, the result of her cruelness, it's taken the form of these kids, even though they didn't die. And they're what's happening. It is a good question that you raise. What is happening? It seems like it's not like the ghosts of children. It's just like this dense accumulation of repressed sexual energy and maybe like shame uh, and also like the trauma that, that these kids experience. All of that kind of like residually remains behind them. And then it's sort of like a ball of like hair that's been like soaked in kerosene and then Buffy and Riley are the sexy match that set it ablaze. I mean, I don't know. Has no one had sex in the house since the Hellmouth I <laughs> opened? No, 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 no. I think um I mean Buffy and Riley have before this, but I think it's it's a uh because they're in that state where uh -huh. they just like can't California stop. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, um, <clears throat> California. Like, how is not how is every PE class not also causing this kind of <laughs> dismay if it's repression and sexual thoughts? Uh, it is unclear to me. Mm -hmm. I am uncertain. Yeah, because okay, so it's a supernatural energy, is what we've been told, right? Uh huh. That's what's manifested, but it also, but it's incarnated sometimes in the ghostly forms of these kids who did not die. It is curious. But they have the like ashen faces of sure, dead sure. people. Um, and sometimes those kids have poltergeisty qualities where they can move things around, but then they can also change your thoughts and make Kind of Julie, possess you? Yeah. Right. Julie's feel. cutting off her hair. Tara's like, don't touch me. You're disgusting. So I think your first mistake here. <laughs> Agreeing to talk. <laughs> yeah, that was your first mistake. Agreeing to talk about this episode. Your yeah. second mistake is trying to make this episode make pure sense. Mm -hmm. It might be impossible. I'm just, um, looking, just looking for a little, little kernel of just something to hold on to. Perhaps a moment of quiet reflection is in order while we hear a few words about our sponsors. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. 
With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. You know, it's hard to talk about this episode, period. And it's even hard to talk about it in chronological order. Like, there's just so many uh, obstacles in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Is that Willow screaming? Doesn't matter. Well, I think at that point, as Buffy later says, they are like zombies and cannot control themselves. Yeah, that that line definitely was made uh, better when we found out what was happening later. Because when she actually announces it, we don't totally know that they're in the zombie sex state. True. And it just True. seems at first like she's just... Like she's just like, fuck Willow. <laughs> yeah. Dude, also, Anya brought Spike to a party at the initiative headquarters where he was recently <laughs> apprehended, stored, had a chip inserted into his brain and escaped. Yeah. What is she thinking? And all of all anybody can think to say is you look familiar. Yeah, what There's okay, everybody's dropping the ball here. Yeah. I think is the thing. Also in this show, man, bad shit's always happening at frat houses. Um since you uh, haven't had a fresh rewatch recently. I'll tell you yeah. that in season two, Buffy and Cordelia go to a frat party and then they almost get sacrificed to a reptilian demon who these frat boys give young women to in the basement to keep themselves rich mm-hmm. and successful. And then also recently, I think in season three, there's a Halloween party at uh, a frat house where everybody gets trapped in the house and like the rubber spiders become real and the plastic skeletons become real and maybe just stay away from frat houses. I mean, that's a, just a good rule of thumb. Good rule of thumb. For life. You weren't in a, a frat. I wasn't. Mm. I wasn't. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. um, there is a really excellent stock boy frat though, if you do want to pledge <laughs> I was later. wondering <laughs> if that was going to mm-hmm. come back. Graham seems to get possessed by Bible verses or something. That's a peculiar thing that happens. The most shocking thing to me in this moment right now is learning that that guy has a name. (laughs) I know. I know. He doesn't deserve it. Well, he has some moments. Okay. He's it's the initiative three initiative guys that we see the most are Riley, yeah. of course, your fave. Uh-huh. And then Forrest, his uh scorned lover, uh-huh. and then Lump Graham. <laughs> 
The one thing I like about Graham is that he's like really into Buffy and Riley dating. Uh huh. So he and he and Forrest kind of have a lot of exchanges about that. Yeah. Where Forrest is like, fuck this man. And Graham's like, aren't they a cute couple? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That seems to be his main function other than being like another recognizable initiative guy that we see all the time. Yeah. I'm, yeah. s- I'm sorry that he didn't do it for you in this episode, but did anything do it for you in this episode besides the wall? Just that one moment when Anya touched Xander's head as she pulled him out of the bath. Yeah. That did it for me. That was, okay, yes. I'm on board mm-hmm. for that. So we get to this point where like, oh God, I don't even know. So many things have happened. A ghost ran through Anya. Mm-hmm. Like stuff is just going wild. The spin the bottle bottle exploded. And people are kind of clearing out mm-hmm. wisely. And... Xander, Willow, Tara, and Spike are outside of the house, and they know that Buffy and Riley are still in the bedroom, engaged in just a never-ending cycle, Mm -hmm. and Xander's like, man, no Slayer's left behind. I'm going back in for my friend who's with me, and we see Spike. Uh, we're like, wow, what's happening? Spike's, well, we've seen Spike's character like really growing and developing and, yeah. and he's just been spending more and more time with him. This is so nice. He's finally about to pitch in and, uh, no, no, he actually just talked himself out of it. <laughs> um, as almost as soon as he chimed in. And for that, I wish to administer the Spike jingle. Spike, I love you. Spike, so dreamy. Spike, your trench coat. Okay. It's a great spike moment. It is a great spike moment. It's, I think, the best spike moment in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, spike is one of the highlights of the episode, I feel like, because he's not involved in any of the weird haunted sex stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the house spits Xander back out as soon as he tries to go in, and they determine, well, we really need Giles. Aren't you a little proud of, of Xander in that moment? I really am. I am absolutely proud of yeah. Xander in that moment. Yeah. Uh, moment of appreciation for Xander. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the face of supernatural sexy haunting yeah. <laughs> or not sexy, as you said, but sex filled. haunting. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very, very happy to see Xander, you know, being his best self. Yeah. Unqualifiedly brave. Totally brave. Which he isn't always. <laughs> Which he isn't always. But who among us is? Right. <laughs> Besides Buffy, Willow, Giles. Angel. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and also, man, the the like the role that Xander takes, like when he gets spat back out by the house, he mm-hmm. like kind of like rolls over his on his like head and neck. It's like really yeah. intense. Some stunt work. Fall. And they need to go get Giles from his adult meeting at the espresso pump. Adults <laughs> only. You wouldn't be interested. Don't bother coming by. Forget that I exist <laughs> on this one night. Please don't come by the espresso pump. Dear God. And hard cut. To Giles playing that who song. Yeah. Behind Blue Eyes. And we get just enough of it to like kind of like get caught up in his performance. And then just when you're like, I forget what this has to do with the plot. Well, I'm noticing Giles' earring, which is disturbing. But I'm also like, wow, he's got like a really nice voice and he's like really getting into it. And then we get a really, really nice cut to everyone staring at him with slack jaws, disbelieving eyes. And then just because they can't drop the whole 
sexy themes of this <laughs> episode, we get a uh, you know, conversation about how sexy Giles is. <laughs> from Willow and Anya. Okay, I expect it from Anya. Willow, I don't know, man. I didn't wouldn't know that I wouldn't expect that Giles is Anya's taste. Mm. Yeah, she does tend to she has more of a she has like my taste in men <laughs> what is your taste well in i guess men? she's dating xander but in season two xander had a very good episode where he was on the swim team uh-huh and he was cut at least for that episode uh he looked great okay and i feel like she's always talking about when he like his muscles are rippling and stuff uh-huh. and like that seems to be what she's into yeah but also she's seen a lot she's been around for a thousand years she probably uh, has broader taste than either of us could conceive of um, and can appreciate all kinds of things and all kinds of people. Also, Giles' art is like objectively pretty hot. Mm-hmm. In my experience, people love when somebody's playing a guitar and singing. And it doesn't necessarily... <laughs> in your experience. In my experience. As a guitar playing singer. I'm just... People, you're just saying, look, my whole life as Jenny... <laughs> People want this me. Is, what can this I say? Is, I feel like this is getting. <laughs> I feel like you're twisting my words. I'm no. These are the, you. Said. I just think I think we <laughs> culturally have an idea about guitars and singing. Mm-hmm. And in my experience of looking at and experiencing people playing guitar and singing, I feel like it it uh, just like cranks up. The thermostat. Watching you try to walk yourself back out of this self-compliment is definitely <laughs> the best part of watching this episode. <laughs> In summary, according to Jenny, Jenny is hot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you for and, finally hearing me. You know, society has just been conditioned to recognize her hotness. <laughs> Help. Help. <laughs> I'm trapped in a haunted episode of this <laughs> podcast. Um, okay. So, yes. He's, he's, yeah. I really can appreciate, though, that he sees them, has only a moment of panic and dread and horror on his face, and then continues. He doesn't drop the like beat. Like a pro. Yeah. He, all he the way plays to the all end, the way through. Which is a great quality in someone. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, um, <clears throat> don't worry, uh, Giles and Willow and Tara and Xander get a big leg up in their research, uh, because there is just a scrapbook yeah. of, of pre-Lowell house, <laughs> Lowell children's home news clippings. Willow says, oh yeah, uh, this place had this history and she's just opened it to <laughs> a page that has like three clippings in it. What book she's looking at, we don't know, which is three convenient clippings about Lowell House that she has found in a matter of minutes. Yeah. It's the room of requirement of scrapbooks. Yes, it's the scrapbook of requirement <laughs> yeah. for sure. Even even when Giles is like, oh, the, the woman who ran the home, when did she die? And Willow looks down at her scrapbook for like 0.1 seconds and is like, she didn't. <laughs> An amazing thing. This The scrapbook of the past is also up to date. <laughs> On her, you know, looking up the Wikipedia in the scrapbook, it says her her birth and death date, but there's a hyphen and no date in the end, according to this old article. Yeah. Wiki scrapbook, scrapbookpedia. Mm -hmm. It, yeah. So great. How convenient. 
yeah, so they uh, they immediately know she's alive and they know where to find her. And there she is. There she is in like a bathrobe. She's ready to talk. She has this lady has no problem. You would think that if like you had engaged in the stuff that this woman engaged in, um, which is uh, sounds like a lot of child abuse mm-hmm. and a lot of traumatizing yep. um, terrorization of children, mm-hmm. uh, that she would at least like play it close to the chest. Nope. Yeah, but she's just like, yeah, no, I, I um performed baptism, what, ah, and uh, just uh, with the extra on the extra unclean ones, like, what the hell, lady? Hey, look, if you are gonna be psychotically, morally self righteous, you really gotta buy in. So I think it makes sense that she would have no compunction about anything that she's done. Like, in order to take it to that extreme, you really yeah. have to believe that what you're doing is justified. True. Okay. Solid point. Also, this moment that you already mentioned where Giles is like getting in her face about stuff. Yeah. I think it's pretty wild that he's like, you fucked up these kids. Like who knows like what kind of like long-term impact you could have, you could have had on them. You traumatized them. You may have ruined their lives. And also on top of that, you made a haunted house. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Dude prioritize your your accusations sir please <laughs> yeah or you know yeah let's let's start with the specifics before you move to the hypothetical <laughs> yeah uh also mrs Lan- <laughs> mrs landingham uh we're sorry we're sorry we're so Catherine sorry. Houston and uh, mrs genevieve holt as she's known in this episode yes yes she can only be called mrs landingham it's true a role so powerful so memorable that it's the only way mm-hmm. uh, that we can refer to her. So Mrs. Lanningham says that she can smell the sin on each one of them. And I'm wondering what you think sm- sin smells like. Yeah, it's just, you know, they've been fighting. <laughs> just standard human like sweat yeah. smell? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they didn't, they forgot to put on deodorant. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Okay, they determine in short order that Buffy and Riley are powering the whole thing. And uh, Xander coins the word poltergasm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to just point out that you're the one who said powering the whole thing. <laughs> They're powering the whole thing. She said, <laughs> help. <laughs> um, sorry, is poltergasm a portmanteau? Portmanteau? Portmanteau. Portmanteau. <laughs> Poor man's toe. <laughs> oh no, what's the right way to say it? Look, it's a poor man's toe, okay? <laughs> what's the actual pronunciation? <laughs> I've been listening to Helen Zaltzman from from The Allusionist say it a bunch, but she's so um, English mm-hmm. that it's hard to know how I, <laughs> as an American, should say it. Portmanteau. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. A portmanteau. Yeah. I feel very comfortable with that. <laughs> um, what a fun portmanteau. Mm-hmm. Poltergasm. Yeah. Sorry. Let me, let, lest I lead you astray. Portmanteau. Portmanteau. Yeah. Okay. So emphasis on the toe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Then we see Willow, Tara, and Giles trying to cast a spell or do a thing. It's not really clear what they're doing. Um, and definitely not to Giles, who at one point says, <laughs> we know how are we going to know it works? Giles, the all-powerful watcher. Yeah. So in the, just in the, cor- in the course of this episode, some things he just, that he has, he should have no way of knowing. He just knows immediately. Yep. And some things that he definitely should know. He's really? got questions about. Or at least have a sense. Yeah. So, 
So that happens and who knows why. But then there are a lot of vines. Yeah. Many, many, many vines. Sex vines? It's unclear, but the best that I can do is, again, to assume that they are a, a symbol for the difficulty of uh, and the complication of relationships. Uh, they're more than just sex. Yeah, no, I think I think for sure. They also represent sort of like, to me, like really like a like a viral like a virulent kind of you know just short form video content like at a maximum of like six seconds long or something that might loop and then eventually Help. go defunct Help. um but yeah the place is just totally covered in vines covered in vines <laughs> um yeah some of them are like uh, long and green and have big thorns and some of them are just like oh, they were roommates <laughs> but, okay but the spell right mm-hmm sure the spell like what are they summoning again back to my <laughs> this question of like what is actually the deal Tara says you know get over here basically let's work this out and all the little ghost kids show up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. around them but we already know there are no actual kids they're you know like it's... who's she talking to really mm. and then um and then just at a moment where it's like oh things are working then all of a sudden it's for no reason the spell <laughs> didn't work the spell stops working uh just the the weird repression energy was too angry they were too close to the sex battery too close to the sex battery that could have a, a right. serious impact yeah, sure yeah, yeah. sure sure um, right, Xander gets through the vines. He actually gets to the door of um, Riley's bedroom. Right, right. And then just as he tries to open it, then the spell dissipates. All the energy goes back in the house and they eject Xander and they also throw Anya off oh, the balcony. Yeah. Oof. It's hey. too bad she's not a demon because that looks like that would hurt. Yeah, thank, thank God she landed kind of on the couch. Yeah, but like also again, kind of like neck first. Yeah, but she's fine. She's tough. She's all thank right. God. Thank yeah. God she's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, oh God. Okay, so Xander gets like kind of sucked into the bathroom and mm -hmm. he's like drowning in the tub. Mm -hmm. She busts up there, pulls him out, does that thing you really like. Love it. Then they join forces in partnership, hack through a bunch of vines and open Buffy and Riley's bedroom door. And then everything's fine. Yeah, that was all that it took. All it took was just, mm. you know, a mom kind of situation. <laughs> um, yeah, so strange. So strange. Perhaps there are people on this planet who understand this episode better than you and I. And I mean, I thought if anybody was going to understand it, it would be me. <laughs> I've watched it so many times. Why? You don't just, there aren't any episodes where you're like, yeah, this one, this time around, I'm going to skip it. Depends on, depends on the watch. Yeah. If I'm doing like a whole 360 degree shebang, I'll mm -hmm. watch every single, single episode. If I'm watching like a season that I really like, sometimes I'll skip an episode. But what's wild is that like even the bad episodes of Buffy usually have some redeeming qualities. <laughs> and this one has a couple, the like, the espresso pump moment uh -huh. uh, is like a strong heavily gift uh like that's like a classic moment yeah from the series but uh little else little else going on here you know what else is wild what's that the things and where they are <laughs> help 
<laughs> there's just no way out of this. <laughs> it's um mm, mm, mm. so oh we would be fools if we didn't let everybody know what you noticed in the the vine hacking scene, which is that while Xander and Anya are moving through the vines, you see a human arm. Yeah. Some prop person pulling a vine. It just like sticks in on the left side of the screen and then pulls back out. Pretty yeah. great. Anya gets gets ensnared by a vine controlled by a person. <laughs> clearly visible. Yeah. What what's the initiative doing, by the way? You know, Zombie Graham mm. uh suddenly is fine when he gets down to the basement level yeah, because apparently yeah. all the ghost vibes well, stay, you know, only on the first two those, floors. There was no repre- that basement situation I don't think existed. I think that was built after the time of Lowell Children's Home. Uh-huh. So there was no repression energy gathering down below decks. Okay. okay. That's my interpretation. Only metaphorically down below decks. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, and but they're kind they're of like, like they're like kind of a a serpent without a head right now because Maggie Walsh is dead. Adam's on the loose and they're still just kind of trying to like get their act together. Yeah. Um in the absence of her leadership. Yeah. So Forrest and Graham get down there. Graham is recombobulated. Yes. Um, that's and, the technical term. <laughs> and uh and then they do a great job of doing nothing to help. <laughs> whatsoever (laughs) true i think maybe hauntings and um malignant spiritual presences are less their thing than like straight up demon activity yeah yeah but maybe then they should change their name from the initiative to (laughs) sometimes we'll chime in (laughs) but if we feel like it exactly (laughs) god and then it's almost over we just get this like buffy doing like it's so creepy thing we think she's going to be like that we were having sex and it was powering a weird haunt battery but no it's just creepy that giles was singing willow's still into it and my question is what happens the next time the two of them have sex in riley's room (laughs) oh my god that's such a good question they haven't defeated anything really they just opened the door like it ended but it's not defeated maybe that's just the rest of the series oh my god it's occurring to me remember Something bad always happens to Buffy when she has sex. Yeah. Uh, this is, cl- I mean, as, as we've learned from every piece of scary pop culture. <gasps> when a woman engages with her own sexuality, mm-hmm. she must be punished. And that sounds like a great place for... It's troubling to think about what might happen if they ever have sex again. Maybe they'll never have sex again. Maybe they'll break up and make the the vast majority of the viewership very happy. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm on Forrest's side. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Forrest is... Yeah, I wouldn't... That's not a side I'd want to be on. Yeah. There's no good side, maybe, I think, to the... um, Maybe if Riley wasn't around, neither side would exist and... You'd be happier. A lot of people would be happier. War makes for strange bedfellows, even when it's a war against bedfellows. 
I'm just gonna show myself out now. Um, yeah. And I well, apologize. What could what could we possibly say after that? <laughs> I will send everybody who's listening this a dollar in apology. Sorry. Um, wow. Yeah. Before I run screaming from this house, <laughs> um, I it's yikes. There's only one proper thing left to do before uh before we start signing off, and that is I have to kick it over to Kristen for the Sexual Tension Awards. Dear God. How will she choose? Sexual Attention Awards! Oh, hello. Welcome. Welcome to the Sexual Attention Awards, a segment that I have never done by myself before. So excited to find you here. How, how are you doing, Jenny and Rishi? How are you doing on the two other ends of this Sexual Attention Awards segment. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I heard a rumor that you did not mention that at the beginning of this episode, we learn once and for all that Buffy and Riley do not finish at the same time, unlike some of our other favorite pairings, uh, whose names, you know, I'll leave unmentioned so they can just nestle into your brain on their own. I am going to get into the segment now. Uh, and despite what you might believe, I am not nominating Buffy and Riley. I am not. I refuse to. They have sex the whole episode. I know. I don't care. My rules, my time, my segment, back off. So without further ado, I would like to nominate for your consideration. You can vote and participate in this democracy on our Twitter account at BufferingCast. Will the award go to Spike and Anya? So incredibly sexy in that alleyway. So incredibly sexy in the bronze. So incredibly sexy. Hard stop. Will it go to Graham and Buffy and Riley? Graham is into it. He really is. Will it perhaps go to the students of Sunnydale and the sex wall? Uncomfortable for all of us, but you can't deny the fact that there was some serious sexual tension and release. Sorry, I shouldn't be allowed to do these segments. Last, but certainly not least, is Willow and Giles. Willow and Soft Rock Giles, perhaps we'll call it. Willow and Giles. Remember when Giles is singing? I didn't get to talk about that either. Holy shit. So I hope that you all have a glorious time thinking about all of that sexual tension and casting your vote. And speaking of Giles, we should move right along into the winners from Superstar Sexual Tension Awards. Uh, I would like to say that coming in last place, 16% of the vote, Jonathan and Riley. Coming in in uh, third place, Jonathan and Anya, 20%. Coming in in second place, 28% of the vote are the witches who love their Jonathan collaging and winning the Sexual Tension Award for Superstar. Are you ready? It's Jonathan and Giles. Of course it is. Come on. That calendar. We all want one, but Giles is the one who had it. And for that, he gets his award. So gentlemen, your trophies are in the mail. And let's get back to Rishi and Jenny talking about this, just this episode. Sexual Attention Award. Yikes. Um, just yikes. Just, just, uh, way to narrow it down. I don't know how you did it, but I'm really proud of you. <laughs> cool. Well, Rishi. Jenny. I cannot thank you enough. You know, friendship can be really fun. 
The best parts of friendship are the fun parts, I think. Yeah. Like when you go to a party and you only talk to the person that you went to the party with and no one else. Personally, I think that's a pretty solid party strategy. <laughs> but It's how I blow off steam. <laughs> Actually, I like to throw the party. And talk to no one. And talk to no one. Stay in I'm your like, room and you're like, I am Gatsby. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I'll come out and I'll talk to my friends and I'll be like, this is what friendship is, guys. Us talking to no one else. Sorry, did I somehow throw you off your <laughs> No, 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 no. I know exactly where I was headed. Okay. Where I was headed is that um, friendship isn't always just like laughs and hanging out with you and your dog. Sometimes friendship is like overcoming adversity, facing scary things, painful things, things like watching this episode. And you have met the challenge that I have brought to our friendship <laughs> with uh, with style and grace, the elegance. Uh, you look great. <laughs> We're wearing the same sweater. It's true. Oops. Um, I can't thank you enough for being here uh, on this very special day. Thank you for uh, inviting me to chop through the vines of this episode with you. Wow, I would chop through any vines with you, my friend. Same. Um, could you please tell the people listening to this podcast where they can get more of you. If you'd like to hear me talking about Mrs. Landingham some more, yes. um, I have a whole West Wing podcast called the West Wing Weekly and you can find it at the westwingweekly.com and other places if you look for the words West Wing Weekly. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Rishi Hirway. And I also have a podcast called Song Exploder that's about music. Your podcast to rock. Thank you. You're welcome. In my experience, your podcasts are hot. <laughs> well, there there is a lot of guitar playing and singing that happens, on, especially on Song Exploder. So, <laughs> oh, my biggest regret. Um, great. Well, the time has come for me to tell you every all the yous not just you Rishi mm. but also you you're included here I'm Jenny Owen Youngs oh okay <laughs> and, uh, that makes so much more sense I know <laughs> and um, when I'm not making Rishi do stuff that he doesn't want to do I am writing and recording songs you can learn more about me and hear some of those songs at jennyowenyoungs.com slash buffering you can be shout on Twitter at jennyowenyoungs buffering the vampire slayer is on Twitter Facebook and Instagram at bufferingcast you can always email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. If you like what we do, oh my gosh, and you just want to be nice to us, um, you know what rocks? Leaving reviews on iTunes uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps other people find this podcast. And who doesn't want to help other people find the thing that they love? I think you do. Furthermore, you can join us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash bufferingcast. We have a beautiful community over there it is so fun um there's all kinds of uh hot hot rewards and stuff that you can access slash get by joining us including uh advanced downloads of the mp3s of all of our songs a access to a patreon only facebook group and loads and loads and loads more furthermore you can if you wish ensconce your body 
in Buffering the Vampire Slayer merchandise by going to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, clicking on shop, and perusing our many, 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 many thrilling goods. Um, we also have um, mugs, socks, vinyl, CDs, enamel pins, all manner of things. It's really, it's great over there, and it's all stuff that you can uh, touch with your hands and um, cradle. Uh, or with your feet. I, put, I was wearing my buffering socks yesterday. That means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for wearing the buffering socks. Yeah, the turquoise was the perfect uh, little splash of color for the rest of my outfit. Wow. Um, I feel like that is another beautiful metaphor for our friendship. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you for being here. Thank you all for listening. And the time has come um, for us to do the thing at the end. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Till next time. Uh, what's next? next?
Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make season two even more memorable together.